Welcome back, everybody, to another Vince August podcast. Um, it's been a while, um, and with good reason. I was actually busy working on some television production um, for potentially a couple of shows that involve yours truly. Um, so I had to take some time off from the podcast, plus with my day job, um, you know, doing some work in the legal sector, and I, and I have a whole new position with regards to county employment, which I'll get into in another podcast, but I just needed to step away from the podcast. I didn't want to do something that was just let me get something out there. That's not my way. I go all out, or I don't do it at all, um, and I am back, and I am very excited about this podcast in particular. I have a great guest joining me with regards to a specific topic um, that is Hot in the news right now, and it branches over from entertainment into First Amendment issues. It branches into racial sensitivities and just life in general. I think this is going to be a, a great way to jump back into these podcasts. I'm very excited about it. So this week uh, in entertainment news, we saw a, a story that came out of uh, the Midwest. They're, they're filming down in New Mexico a movie produced by Adam Sandler's company. Um, and the name of the film is The Ridiculous Six. And it's it's definitely a spoof. It's definitely satirical about the Old West. And, and specifically, what some of the satire is about is Native Americans and their culture um, with regards to use of names and imagery and as always, before I get into a topic, before I give my perspective and point of view on a topic, I always tell people where I'm coming from. Um, with regards to Adam Sandler, I've never met Adam Sandler. I'm not what you would call necessarily a fan of Adam Sandler's films. I'm certainly not a critic. I don't play that critic game. To me, if you want to criticize a film, if you want to do anything to protest the film, I've always said, don't pay to see it. I am not one, when it comes to movies, to say a movie should never be released. It's offensive. I am a huge First Amendment person. With regards to Adam's films, I think we've seen the same plot played out numerous times, which is why I'm, I just have kind of tuned off and tuned out Adam. Um, it's, you know, it's always the angry, raging, tough guy who's yet lovable and gets the girl at the end. Listen, I, I love the wedding singer. I thought it was fun. It was cute. Happy Gilmore had me for about halfway to two thirds of the way through the film, then lost me. And then from there, Billy Madison and, and everything that followed the first 50. To me, it was just very repetitive. It was the same movie over and over. Anger management. Very repetitive stuff. Um, and I kind of tuned out Adam. Um, I, you know, he lost me in his movies. Again, that doesn't mean I'm an Adam basher. And it doesn't mean I don't believe certain films should be made, shouldn't be made. Um, I've always said, and I'm going to say it again, if you have an issue with a film, don't go see it. I'm a huge First Amendment person. Huge First Amendment person. I believe that when it comes to art, whether it be music, film, painting pictures whatever i think an artist has to be able to express themselves and listen as a stand-up comedian as an actor and i can get and i'm going to get into some of the stuff i've done on what would you do um you're, you're going to cross some lines 
It's just the way it is. And when you take a chance, you don't know what that line is. I've always said that our society has become hypersensitive. I think we're, we're very sensitive to certain topics, more sensitive than we've been in the past. However, this is a topic that deals with Native American culture. And listen, I'm the son of Sicilian immigrants. So you know what? Who better to have on a show to talk about the sensitivities than someone who is of Native American background, but more importantly, was on the set of the film. Uh, so I am proud to introduce to you an actor from Oklahoma who is kind enough to join us. Uh, he was an extra on the film, Keith Longhorn Jr. Keith, pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity for me to, uh, you know, allowing me to speak. I appreciate that. Now, Keith, just so everyone knows um, something about you, um, you are, in fact, a, a regular actor. Is that correct? Is that a fair thing to, way to characterize you? Yes, a working actor, yes. Okay, and you have been working in films in the past? I have uh, numerous films, yes. Okay, so this is, again, using an expression, this is not your first rodeo in film. You've done this before. Yes, uh, plenty of times. Okay. And normally when you're in films, do you tend to play Native American characters? I do, but they're all different. I usually tend to play the bad guy, but it's not viewed as Native American, you know, leather and feather. Okay. So it's just you, you seem to fit a, a certain stereotype. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, in some movies, yes, but, you know, in others it's modern day. Modern. Okay. And, and listen, it's that's not necessarily for the people listening – a bad thing for an actor. And you, you take the late James Gandolfini. Um, you know, James Gandolfini played Italian-American mobsters. There were certain people, Chaz Palmateri seemed to fall into that mobster appearance. There were certain people that give off a certain vibe. And I'll tell you right now, I auditioned for Sopranos. And because of the fact I light hair, light eyes, I was told, you know what? Yeah, you, you don't really look italian enough and i'm the son of sicilian immigrants so it's not necessarily a bad thing to look a certain way in terms of getting work right keith that's exactly right i mean i have long hair so i fit the long hair rules you know okay now getting into your cultural background um you're of native american descent correct on both sides of your mother and father correct yes that is correct uh tell us oh, a yeah. Yeah, tell me about their backgrounds and, and what exactly, you know, what, what your lineage is. I'm uh, the absentee Shawnee tribe of Oklahoma, and my on my mother's side, I am a Seminole from Oklahoma, yes. Okay. Um, so, again, both sides of the family, this is, and I'm sure, much like I'm proud to be Italian, you know, this is a, a matter of pride for you, correct? Yes. Oh, yes. Very proud people. Very proud people. Okay, so now how did you come to fall into specifically this film? How did it come about that you wound up being a part of this film? I was actually hanging out with a friend, and he uh, saw it on Facebook, and you know, it said Adam Sandler film calling for Native Americans. So I, I hopped in there, you know, hopped in the car, and you know, I was looking for extras. So I said, you know, I, I want to go meet Adam Sandler, you know, and then uh, I just drove all the way to New Mexico, and and uh, you know. It was a long trip, but, you know, it's a big, a big thing came of it, you know, and uh, lack of a better word, you know, uh, uh, maybe for the good. Um, so, you know, I'm very 
very blessed to be a part of it. You know, maybe this is my, this is why I was there to give this interview. Right and, here. and it just goes to show that there is some positives in Facebook, correct? <laughs> It's, oh, yeah. it's not just a way for, for white girls to put up pictures and get a, a bunch of likes to make up for what their father didn't give them when they were growing up. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. I find, some, I find work on that. <laughs> All right. So see, Facebook does have some positive outcomes. All right. So now you drive down there and, and you, you get on set and you're going to play a Native American, correct? You're going to play an Indian in this movie. That is correct. And full dress, makeup, the whole bit, right? Yeah, the whole shebang. Yeah. Now... You understand the name of this film is The Ridiculous Six. You you know this is going to be an Adam Sandler film. And, you know, I mean, tell me, what do you know of Adam Sandler's films in terms of their comedy? Oh, I mean, you say the word Adam Sandler, you know, and I just, you know, automatically assume everything around Adam Sandler is funny. You know, it's comical. It's uh, ridiculous. And whenever you have an Adam Sandler film that says ridiculous in it, you know, I mean. <laughs> it's going to be ridiculous. Right, it's, it's going to cross some lines, and it could, and I hate to use this expression, ruffle some feathers. Yes, that's exactly right. Okay. I was fully aware. Okay, so now you get on set, um, and you start working, when was it? This week, correct? And, and just so I can date everybody, today is Sunday, April 26th, so you started working in the beginning of the week, which is roughly around the 20th, correct? Yes, that is correct. All right, so you get on set, and you, you go ahead. Oh, I was just saying from the 20th through the 24th is when I worked. Okay. Um, so you're there for four days. Um, the, when you first got on set, was there any indication that anybody was unhappy with what was going on? Uh, no. As far as I, con I was concerned, you know, people were meeting people. They were, you know, uh, they were laughing. I had some friends that went up there with me, you know, and uh, that were up there with me, sorry. And, you know, we were all laughing and getting acquainted meeting all the other Native Americans, you know, and we, it seemed like everyone was having, you know, a good time at first, yes. Okay, and when was the first time that it became realized there was an issue with this film? Uh, let's see here. I believe it was the next day on the 21st. Okay, and, and what happened? Uh, I guess basically uh, I was sitting in the tent, you know, just the waiting area for the extras. And I heard someone say, oh, the advisor left. Um, you know, and, you know, I was asking, you know, you know, why do you leave? And, you know, who, what all happened, you know? And then I guess, you know, people were saying he was disrespected. And, uh, you know, the producers went and talked to him. You know, the cultural advisor is the one that tells, you know, this looks like this. And um, you say things like that. And, and the Native American, you know, community, he's, he was of the tribe portrayed in the film, so he kind of gave, you know, foundation to um, authenticate, you know, the village and how the people looked and, you know, stuff around that, yeah. Okay, and and just for the people listening at home, again, I'm, I'm speaking with Keith Longhorn Jr., who is an actor who was on the set of The Ridiculous Six, and he's talking about an advisor who's normally on set, and for those of you that are not familiar with this, what happens is, Whenever there's a film and you're, you're talking about certain cultures, normally you have somebody from that culture, even though the movie is a comedy, you want to stay somewhat true to what the culture is about. So, for example, I, I, a lot of people may have missed this. When the movie The Lone Ranger was made and um, Johnny Depp played one of the, you know, Tonto, 
a lot of people were upset that his makeup and his headdress was inconsistent with what Tonto's tribe would have been. So some people pay very specific attention to this, and it becomes an area of sensitivity. Is that correct, Keith? All right. So this person that was there was there to make sure that there was definitely some consistency. So even though this is a comedy, you know, we, we want to make sure that it does ring true to what, you know, the culture is about. Right. That's exactly right. But, you know, uh, on the other hand, though, you can't. This is a broad, you know, a broad thing to talk about. But, you know, what what is, you know, authentic anymore? You know, I mean, if you want uh, you know, I don't mean to step on anyone's toes or disrespect anyone. Oh, please, start stepping on toes. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, as far as it goes, you know, there are some people who say, well, this is how this is supposed to look in the village. But then you have other Native Americans that, you know, say, oh, that's not how that's supposed to look, you know. But then it, it, it becomes like a religious thing, you know, and then... Um, you know, then you have, like, Native Americans fighting amongst, amongst each other, you know, and, and, you know, that's, it's kind of a touchy subject, because if the advisor were to say, oh, this TP is supposed to look this way, and then someone in the background said, no, they're supposed to look this way, you know, there's a controversy there. Right, because we're, what we're talking about is a culture that's hundreds of years old. I mean, th- this is not something that, you know, we have you know, necessarily film and, and pictures. A lot of this stuff is handed down through tradition. And we're, we're talking, we're going way back with these traditions and there's going to be changes, correct? Yes, there's going to, there's going to be changes for sure. That's oh, correct. okay. Now as much as we try to keep them, you know, try to keep them close to what they used to be, you know, I mean, right. it's all about, you know, um, adapting. It's all about adapting and trying to make things how they were, you know, try to try to keep it rich, a rich culture, you know, and do the same, same things that, you know, our ancestors did a long time ago. Okay. So now the advisor is upset and does that ring bells with the actors? Yes, this, I mean, this has, you know, some people, you know, in an uproar, you know, and I'm still trying to figure out what's all going on, you know, and, you know, some, uh, you know, some things may be misconstrued, but as far as, you know, to my knowledge, I didn't meet everyone there as a background extra. I didn't meet everyone, so I don't know, you know, what they saw and what they, you know, perceived. So. All right, so now, as this plays out, when is the next big incident that it pretty much you could see? It's, it's now rippling all over the set, and it's even making its way to the extractors, and you pretty much know that there's a problem. Right, yes. Um so I guess basically what happens next is, you know, people are talking within the background and, you know, you know, saying this isn't right. You know, it's disrespectful to, you know, uh, push away the advisor. I, I believe, you know, there was a rumor saying, you know, that the advisor couldn't talk to Adam Sandler and you know, or, or didn't want to talk to him. I, I don't know. I don't really know that because I never met the advisor. You know, he never told me what was going on i never seen anything so i can't say anything about it but caused people to get a little bit angry and i guess uh you know started talking amongst themselves and you know they were trying to uh, the best way to solve this i guess and okay so i guess people went to talk to the producer um 
And, you know, I guess after they talked with the producer, you know, a, a couple of them left, yes. Okay. And it's my understanding, having read the articles, that in total, nine actors walk off set and quit the film. And the reason they quit, um, there seemed to be a, a three-prong um, offenses occurring. The first was the names of the characters were deemed to be offensive, uh, especially towards the women. And I think one of the, the women's names included the name Beaver in it, which was kind of a, a play on words with regards to like, you know, sitting bull and then, you know, something with regards to Beaver. And of course, that also makes reference to a woman's private parts. Um, I understand some of the scenes were offensive and some of the actions that the the women were taking. And also there was some offensive imagery um, with regards. And you had said the way, you know, teepees were set up. I understand that they were putting chicken feathers on the top of the teepee as opposed to, say, an eagle's feather. And this was something that was bothering the advisor and trickled its way down to the actors. How much of that, if any, did you see? I did not see um, a feather. Of course, I wasn't looking at every detail of the set either. Um, I, I didn't. Uh, it's not. I'm not saying that it wasn't there, but I just I did not see it. Okay. Um, the script. I, you know, I did not see the script. I'm sure you could probably find it online, though. Um, I, I didn't see the script. No one told me. Anyone even had a script? Um, you know, I featured. I, I just. You know, assume that you know I'm a background, so I don't need to look at a script. You know, and um, I, but for the most part, to the best of my knowledge, I didn't see the feather or even the script. Okay, so what what was the big incident that you saw that kind of triggered all this? Well, it was the uh, the people who felt disrespected. There was a small group. I believe there was twelve of them. Okay. Um, now they, you know, they said. David, um, one of the background extras, he, he made a speech. He made a speech inside of the, uh, the waiting area. And he said, you know, we don't have to take this, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's disrespectful to our people. So, you know, um, basically, we need to do something about it. And, uh, you know, I was just kind of, you know, doing my own thing. But I heard this and I was like, oh, no, you know, this can't be good. You know, it was a big speech. And one of the PAs, you know, with the talkie, you know, overheard him say that, and she said, well, we have a, a couple people here who um, want to talk to you and want to talk to the producer about this. So there was a small group that went up to talk to the producer. Now, um, the way that was handled, um, you know, the only thing I want to say about that is maybe they could have sent, you know, uh, one person to do it uh, just so the producer didn't feel so... I guess bombarded, you know, and it was because I, you know, I said this thing isn't—it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good either way. Right. So I went up there. I went up there, and I, you know, some of the people that were there in the group, they were listening. They just listened, you know. They they wanted to know, voice their opinions or whatever. And I went up there by myself, you know, and I listened. And uh, you know, they were they were done talking, and you know, I. They all went back. I don't know. I mean, if they were still feuding or what, but, you know, I pulled the producer aside. I said, uh, Barry Bernardi. I said, hey, man, you know, um, you know, I, you know, with, with the utmost respect, you know, I'm, you know, I just want to uh, clear, you know, make sure there's a compromise going on because I don't want 
feuding going on. I don't want this, you know. If there's if there's a light in any situation, you know, I, I try to be that light, you know. And I, I told him, I said, Barry, I mean, is there anything, you know, I could do, you know, because can I talk to them or something? And he said, you know, I appreciate that, you know, if, if you would do that, you know. And, um, you know, so I wanted to be the light, you know. I wanted to talk to my people because, you know, I could understand both sides. Right, so you're trying to mediate this thing at this point. Yes, that's exactly right because, you know, I, you know, I said, Barry, um, I, you know, I talked to I talked to these Native American background background extras, and you know, I said most of them they don't even they don't want to leave they don't want to leave the set, and uh, I don't know if they didn't know what was going on or you know whatever, but you know, I said you know most of these most of these Indians Indians don't want to leave, and I said let me, let me try and work something out. So I went back to the background extras and I said to the three main people, it was a family. It was David, Hatuk, and Tushka, you know. Um, it seemed like they were the, you know, they're my really good friends. You know, I, I've known that for a while now, but, you know, I, I was trying to reason with both of them. I said, you know, what could, what could, um, you know, how can we fix this problem? And And how hot were tempers at this point? I mean, were they upset? Was this... Was this a tough thing for you to mediate? Were they, were they really flared up, or was was there a lot of confusion? Oh, there there was confusion. You know, people were saying, "What's going on? What's going on?" But but tempers they were they were rising. You know, people some people said they wanted to walk off right then, and you know this, this isn't right. And I even you know heard someone say to go into the press, and you know and. You know, I, I talked to them. I said, "Hey, what what can we do? You know, what can we do to solve this?" And and what was the what was the thing that everybody wanted? Well, um, I believe they wanted the script to be changed and a couple of a couple of other things like plots in the movie. I don't know. All right, now as an actor, right. someone who's trying to mediate this. My initial reaction to if listen, if I was and I'm I'm a former judge, I'm a lawyer. If someone said to me, just putting on my mediator hat, listen, we want to change the plot, we want to change the script, that's not a quick fix. That's basically okay. we're Yeah, we're going back to the drawing board and we're starting all over and pretty much we're gonna shut down this set, correct? Correct. That's absolutely right. And you understood that, right? Yes, I understood that. Did you try to convey that to anyone, saying, "Listen, that that's not realistic"? Right. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's. It takes a lot of work to do that, you know, and it's. It takes a lot of money to go back and redo scenes, you know, back to the drawing board, like you were saying. So, in my mind, since I've been doing this a little while, you know, I knew, you know, the. I was aware of what, you know, how much that cost and how much time that took and a hold on production, you know, but. You know, there's some some people who are not familiar with the industry, you know, and uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't ever bring that up um, to the Native American people who, you know, didn't know. I, I just figured, you know, someone would, someone else would tell them, you know, and um, but yeah, basically they just they wanted like either a disclaimer on the, uh, you know, on the front of the film saying, you know, the actual portrayal of these Native Americans are not realistic or accurate in any way, you know. But and, but doesn't the title The Ridiculous Six and the fact that it's a comedy already say that? Yeah, well, I mean, when it comes to Native Americans and, you know, you know, stuff like this, there's, you know, there's two different worlds, you know. I mean, 
that Native Americans live in, and I'll get to that here in a little while. But, you know, sensitive subjects like this, I mean, they, they don't go unnoticed. And ridiculous, I mean, to one person maybe have another meeting to a different person, you know. And, uh, see, I didn't know what, you know what I was getting myself into, but I was prepared to face whatever came my way. All right, so now when, when push comes to shove, we see nine actors walk off. Um, what did you do? Well, <laughs> and there's, I didn't, but to the best of my knowledge, I didn't see, to the best of my knowledge, I did not see anybody walk off. Really? Yes. That is, um, that is pure media talk. I guess, in other words, I did not, I did not see anyone walk off. That doesn't mean, no, they did not walk off. I just did not see anybody walk off. Um, but what I did was, you know, I, we came to the compromise, you know, the Native American people said, you know, we want a disclaimer. So I went to the producer, you know, and I said, you know, they, you know, out of respect, they want this put on the film, you know, and he said, you know, I could do that. I could work with that. Okay. Yeah. So we were making a little bit of progress. You know, and that's what, you know, my friend, uh, Hatuk, Hatuk Hill, he, I mean, he's my good buddy, but he said, man, we, we just want that. We'll be happy if we, you know, we just put that on there. And I said, okay, finally, I mean, we can, we can all agree on something. Okay. So I ran back, told the producer, he said, you know, whoever his assistants were, you know, call them, let's get this done. And then, you know, he, he said, I appreciate it. And then, you know, I went back, I thought everything was all right. All right, now I, I want to put this in perspective for everybody because some people, you know, have a misconception of how much actors get paid and how much comedians make. As an extra actor, um, what were you making per day on set? Uh, let's say I, I believe it was eighty-six or something like that, and then eighty-eighty-six dollars, just to clarify. Yes, $86. Per day. Anything after that is, uh, I don't know, uh, time and a half or something. Right. You're making SAG scale. Uh, yeah, I mean. Okay. So, yeah. right. So just so everyone's clear that's listening, and again, I'm talking to Keith Longhorn from Oklahoma, who was a paid background actor on The Ridiculous Six, a movie produced by Happy Gilmore, I'm sorry, Happy Gilmore, a movie produced by um, Adam Sandler. And, you know, I think that's important. And the reason I think that's important is because, you know, I don't, Keith, just in speaking to you now, you don't strike me as the type of guy that would sell out his culture for $86 a day. No, that, I mean, that is, that is ridiculous. And, you know, I've had people, you know, tell me, you know, they, you know, threaten me and stuff and say, like, oh, you're a sellout, you're a sellout, you're a sellout. But, I mean, if I, for instance, hypothetically, I mean, if I were to ever pick up um, a different tribe's role, right? If I were to play this this tribal role in this movie and then another one, I mean, am I selling out? You know, I mean, am I not absentee Shawnee anymore because I play a different role? No. My tribe knows that I'm absentee Shawnee. I mean. You're acting. I, I know, man. Right, you're acting. And that's exactly right. I portray a different tribe. That doesn't mean I'm them. I'm just acting like a different tribe. Yes. And, and I'm going to use an example um, that you know I can kind of relate to your situation a bit. My first 
episode of What Would You Do, the Hidden Camera Show on ABC, I was brought in to audition for the part of a security guard who was in a high-end Soho clothing store racially profiling black shoppers. And my role was to improvise with these shoppers so as to follow them, harass them, unlike the white shoppers, for one reason and one reason only, they were black. And I had to make a point of making it known that I'm following you, I want to search you, I want to check your bag. Why? Well, because you're black and black people shoplift. Now, that does not fit into who I am as a human being. Um, it does not fit into who I am as a person. Uh, this is a character, much like Edward Norton in American History X plays exactly. right, plays a skinhead. And, you know, there are many people that play bad guys. And Keith, you know, my, my, my guest on the show, Keith Longhorn Jr., told me when we first started, look, normally I'm cast into roles where I play the bad guy Indian. Um, whether it's in the headdress or whether it's just a Native American, you know, modern day Native American bad guy. Um, you know, these are roles and these are, are character portrayals, but it's not who we are, correct, Keith? You're acting. That's exactly correct. So, correct. so really, where in your mind and maybe, you know, in the minds of the actors that were there, you tell me, where do we draw the line? And I'm, this is specific to you and your culture as to right and wrong with the portrayal of Native Americans in films? Is there a line? Yes, there is. I mean, there is a line. There, you know, on this side, you have people you are pretending to be. On this side, you have peop the person you really are. You know, and, you know, if they wanted me to be, you know, something else in a movie, that falls onto the side where, you know, I... You know, I, I'm an artist, so I have to act out that part, you know, as best as I can as an actor, you know. Um, you know, people have, you know, different views of actors and stuff and say, oh, well, that's, you know, that's really them in real life. But no, everything you see on TV is, you know, fake. It's fake. <laughs> I mean, tell me one movie that is exactly accurate, like right down to you know, what they were wearing or the jewelry or... Hey, listen, exactly Keith. what they say. Listen, Keith, I say it about reality TV. I tell people, you want to see f the best of fake television, tune into reality TV. That's as That's fake right. as it gets. That's right. The, the name reality is there to confuse the public into believing this is how these people really act when the public is naive enough to believe... That this is, you know, these these situations these people find themselves in are just, you know, these people going about their normal lives and they don't realize these are the producers setting up scenarios to try to create some type of controversy. I mean, you know, listen, you're an actor. Tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, you're spot on, man. You are spot on. All right. Maybe, now, maybe now, documentaries have maybe real footage of it, but, you know, you know who's to say that's exactly Right then and there, you know. All right. It's, it's so let me ask you this. As of the day you left set, which was the 24th, correct? Right. What was your feeling with regards to how the tempers were and, and how this situation was resolved? Well, um, since, uh, you know, I, I drove a little ways. I don't know if 
this even plays into it, but they asked me to come back for another day. Um, you know, the 40 people that were there the first four days, you know, they asked me to stay, you know, the next day. So the 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, that's, that's four days of filming. Right. And they asked maybe eight people to stay for the next day, you know. I mean, we didn't even, we didn't even, uh, we, we just waited, basically, but just in case they needed us. Right. You know, and, uh, but, no, we were, we were all sitting there, we were all just, you know, waiting all day, you know, Adam came through. Adam, Adam said I got to talk to him multiple times, you know, and, you know, the producer as well, um, Barry, Barry Bernardi, and, you know, we talked you know, about this thing, about everything that's going on. But Adam came in there and he said, you know, he said, you know, basically that he was, he was just uh, sorry that, you know, a, a group of people got offended by this. He didn't mean for it to, you know, uh, you know, hurt anyone. Um, he felt, you know, really terrible about it. He even, he didn't say, oh, record me saying this or anything, you know? Right. He said, he said, I had no idea that anyone would take offense to some of the jokes in this movie. He just thought he's making a, listen, he thought he was making another goofy comedy and, and didn't expect anyone to take it so serious. Let's be honest. Right. He said, uh, he's quote, quote, it was never meant to hurt anyone. You know, and he said that sincerely. He didn't say, get this on camera, you know, so, you know, I can have something to say. No, he was, you know, throughout the movie, he was really, you know, kind. He was, you know, personally on my Listen, you know, I, I mean, he came out to me. It was really, really nice, really generous. Generous, you know. He was kind. He was Keith, a kind, kind-hearted guy. Keith, you know? Keith, I'll say it again. You know, I'm not necessarily a fan of his films, but I, I think he's completely protected by the First Amendment. I think he has a right to make a film with whatever portrayals he wants. If people don't want to watch it. Don't watch it. I, he strikes me as a sincere person. And the fact that you're telling me that he did this, again, I, I think this is a guy who, this is his humor. It, you know, it's like I said, it's maybe somewhat sophomoric to some. Uh, maybe it's lowest common denominator to some people, whatever. But this this is his humor. I mean, and, and it's been consistent, I think, throughout. I don't think we've seen any change, correct? Right. I mean, that's exactly right. You know, he... Um... This film is making fun of old westerns. You know, it's not making fun of Indians or a certain type of people. It's it's like it's satirical to the old to the time. Yes, that's exactly right. To the you know to the um, to the old western. You know, and movies from back then are a lot different than they are now. Um, let's take the Native Americans for example. You know, my people. You know, at first there was no Native Americans in film. Then there was non-natives playing Native Americans. Right. Now you have professional Native American actors, you know, authentic Native American actors. And authentic is, you know, a word that, you know, is it has a broad meaning, you know, these days. Things change, you know, and, you know, the, back then the old Westerns didn't respect Native people and didn't acknowledge, like, tribal differences and stuff like that, but they were serious about it. They were serious about it. And now in this film, you know, it's it's ridiculous. It's supposed to be funny, you know. I mean, a culture that is rich can laugh at itself. Listen, I think everybody could laugh at themselves. And, and you just made an unbelievable statement 
for basically the fact that we've had growth, especially with Native Americans being in cinema. You've basically laid it out. Listen, we're in a better place today than we were 50, 60 years ago. Okay, and that flies in the face of what the complaints are. And I wonder who's making these complaints because the complaints I'm reading is Hollywood has not changed at all. But my guest, and again, it's Keith Longhorn Jr., an actor from Oklahoma, saying, no, look, we have changed. We're in a better place. That's, that's exactly right. You know, and there's strong people. You know, I mean, we're pr- I, was, I was proud to even be a background extra on, you know, in a Hollywood film, Adam Sandler's film, even though the camera may not see me, you know, I was, I was thrilled. I was blessed to just even be there. You know, all right. And I mean, back to the, uh, you know, the, the satires and stuff. One of the funniest, the funniest, you know, skits I've ever seen was on Mad TV. You know, where Keegan Michael Key, you know, impersonated a Native American. I mean, he was. He was in the river. He was fishing naked. I mean, with well, his spear. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Him well, you know, life. and you know what's, you know, what really, you're hitting a point here, Keith. And I'm glad you said that. I think a lot of times, especially when it comes to humor, really, almost specifically when it comes to humor, if the joke is funny and everybody laughs, it seems that less people are offended. It seems when the joke doesn't hit the mark, it all of a sudden is taken out of the context of being a joke, and it seems like it's more of a statement. But people don't realize, listen, a joke that fails is not a factual statement. It's still a joke. Is that fair to say from your point of view? Yeah, that, that's fair to say. Yes, that, that is. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot now. All right. <laughs> I want to stretch this conversation beyond the film. And we see this come up every year and it, it never seems to go away. And I, and I want, I'm, I, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to ask someone who's of the background, the Washington Redskins is this is a sticking point with certain people. I, I think it's as much about a white agenda, if not more than it is a native American agenda. As someone from that culture, are you offended by some of these team names like the Washington Redskins? <laughs> well, I actually talked to my uncle. He's a very important uh, cultural uh, advocate in Washington D.C. We talked about we talked about this, and uh, <laughs> you know, when it comes to me personally. As long as people are promoting Native Americans, like, I am happy, you know. But there's a fine line between promoting it and, you know, making fun of it. Right. Making fun of it or, you know, having a demeaning demeaning term, you know. Cause, um, so, like, I mean, like the Seminoles. Right. The Seminoles, you know, I mean, that's a team, you know, that's... That's where I came from, like a long time ago, on my mom's side. You know, that's my ancestors over there. And listen, they they take it they take it to an extreme in Florida State. They have somebody come out riding a horse with a flaming spear. He sticks it in the ground. They have the fans doing a tomahawk chop. You know, mimicking a, a sound of an attacking tribe. I mean, that they take that to a little bit of an extreme. There is that correct? 
yeah, I mean, I haven't really watched your games, but or seen that. But I mean, there, there's some things the the logo, you know, the name of it, Florida State. They that as long as it's promoting it, I I, I love it, you know. So, but if it takes it to the wrong wrong way and doing like tomahawk chop, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, my views are of course different than someone else. Someone right. Else's, but I mean, it's it's all like. To show pride, you know, I guess some, there's some team pride there. But and, and Keith, I'm glad you said that because here's my take on it as someone from the other side. When I see the name Washington Redskins, I don't think for a minute the intent of the team is to use a name that would mock a group of people. And there's a couple reasons why. One, they're trying to sell merchandise. This is a business. They want to sell that. So it's, it's as much about making money as it is anything else. So that's the one thing. The other thing too, is in, when you take a team name, you want to pick something that symbolizes strength, intimidation. So that, you know, when I see the name Redskins being used in that way, for me, I don't think of it in offensive way. I mean, and you seem to be consistent with that. Right, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, what if, what if, you know, the Washington Redskins won every year for 10 years? I mean, they'd be <laughs> a noble team, you know? I mean, that would be, like, Redskins, yeah, you know? But, I mean, on the other side, I could see how people, you know, take it the wrong way. But if they were a winning team for 15 years straight, 10 years, I mean, you would you would be supporting them. I mean, that's Indian. That's an Indian, you know, term. I, I, Redskins. And that seems to tie to, and that seems to tie to what I just said. When the joke is funny, no one's offended. When the team's doing well, all of a sudden we're okay. <laughs> it seems to be consistent. Right. right, that's exactly right. You know, and that's that's just my personal take on it. You know, and, listen, that's all you can give me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not nominating you or appointing you spokesman for all of the Native Americans that are in America. All right. Um, last question that I have for you again, and, and I'm kind of going to put your feet to the fire a little bit, um, in terms of the, the country itself, in terms of, you know, where this country was, how we treated native Americans and where we are today, you know, we always talk about reparations and and trying to reach across and, and shake hands. You tell me, especially, you know, with, with your parents and, and maybe grandparents and family, you know, do you feel the United States government has done enough to listen? We can never, you know, we can never make amends fully for what we did. But do you feel the government has done enough to say, hey, listen, you know what? We want to show the proper respect to Native Americans, make the reparations we can in light of the history of America. Do you feel enough has been done? Uh, well, this is. <laughs> This is another. This is another hard one to talk about. But you know, I heard of you know some tribes getting you know per capita you know for you know being a tribe that you know sold their land back in the day or signed a treaty you know and they they had they get money you know every month to help them live you know and or once a year or whatever you know and then some tribes don't get anything you know really yeah and I mean there's a big this whole thing is misconstrued but you know I'd say people that do get money, you know, they're very better off, I guess, if you could put it, you know, because they, you know, get money, you know, the government's taking care of them or whatever, you know, 
maybe maybe feel a little bit different than that. Okay. Um, I never really never really talked about this uh, subject too much, but you know, I mean, you know, the tribes, you know, that signed treaties for land back in the day. You know, whether you know they were tricked or whatever. You know, I've heard a lot of talk, a lot of talk. You know, and everything is well. My tribe got cheated, or you know, you know, and you know, I I really don't know about the government man. this whole the whole system is kind of. I really have no no idea what's going on. Yeah, really. Who is it? Who is it fair to at this point? <laughs> it's hard to know. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and so it, it's just really tough. You know, um, a, a tough subject to talk about. Um, but Indians, you know, we're, we're a proud people because you know we're the way we are because of our history. Right. You now, if we get offended by something, it's because of our history. Right. Know? And it, I mean, and that's just basically what it boils down to. You know, we try to. You know, we're the humorous, most humorous people I've ever met, you know, and the culture as a whole, you know, and we laugh about all the things, you know. I laugh about, you know, a cloud that looks funny, you know. I right. laugh about a cloud that looks funny. And, uh, but people, we, I mean, as Indian people, we make jokes about, you know, the, the government and, you know, we laugh about everything. I listen. That kind of, you know, eases, you know, kind of eases the pain of what, what really happened but that that's what having a sense of humor is about it it's it's yeah. exactly about that it doesn't make the pain necessarily disappear it's still there but it it helps in dealing with it 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 helps yeah. in coming to terms with some of the the mistreatment and you know that's why sometimes you know people say you have to laugh at life otherwise you're going to sit down and, and cry and sulk all day that's exactly right and that's the best medicine but uh also another thing i wanted to clarify you know Please. There's been rumors of uh, people on set, you know, of, uh, you know, like the producers or whatever, calling, you know, the background, the names in the script. That's not, a, that's not at all true. I've never once heard that ever. You know, the only thing that Adam Sandler and Barry, Barry Bernardi called me was handsome. Wow. So I said, hey, hey, man, you look handsome. Or, you know, I was like, you know, did that just really just happen, you know? I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't feel like it just happened, but. No, the Adam Sandler, he, like, complimented, like, everyone. There was specifically, you know, uh, uh, there, were, there were these dancers in the village, you know, and when it was going on, I heard him say, that, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. He wasn't talking to, you know, uh, a group of people, you know, this one this one Native American uh, actor, he said, have you ever seen this before? And Adam Sandler said, no, it's, it's beautiful, uh, I love it. Wow. So there's, you know, there's, that, I'm, that's what I'm trying to clear up. If there's a light in all of this, you know, I, you know, I'm going to shine it. You know, um, I, I just want to clear things up. But don't, like I said, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone. I just want the truth out there. I want, I want good things to come of this. You know, and well, well, Keith, I, I think you did that excellently. Um, I, I listen. I want to say again. I want to thank Keith Longhorn Jr. for joining me, Keith. I, I think you really shed a great light on this and listen i i said at the beginning of the podcast you know i wasn't doing this to to kiss up to adam sandler i've made it clear what my you know in, impression is of adam and his film so by, by no means am i trying to stroke adam uh, i have nothing to gain here i don't have a dog in this fight and when you know i spoke to lindsey carter and she said to me listen i have somebody who was on set you want to talk to him i said absolutely i want to get it you know, from somebody who was there, I want rather than just me rant, let me speak to somebody. So 
Um, Keith, stay on the line, but if anybody's out there, Keith Longhorn Jr., he's an actor. I know he's got a Facebook page. Please um, follow him. He's got a fan page. Friend him. Uh, a stand-up guy to come on this podcast and, and tell the story the way it was and the way it really should be told. Um, thank you again, Keith, for joining me. Stay on, stay on the phone. I don't, I don't want to disconnect you yet. I want to talk to you. Um, guys, listen, I, I, I think we, we heard here something that we've not been reading in the media, which is, you know what? There's a version to this, and Adam tried to do the right thing. The producer tried to do the right thing. And in the end... The news, the media will always sensationalize to try to make a story. This is the new game that we play in America. Take people down. Get them fired. Get their film banned. Um, get them to make changes. And you know what? I don't think that this is the game we should be playing in this country. Um, there's a ton of examples of it. But this is the latest example. And we have somebody who was there saying, listen. Here's the real version of what happened. And again, Keith Longhorn Jr., my guest, uh, thank you for joining me, Keith. And um, hey, everybody, I think another great podcast in the books, and, and I'm glad to be back. Um, more great topics coming up in the next coming weeks. In the coming weeks, I hope to have interviews with um, school teachers to talk about the testing in the schools. Um, I definitely want to speak to a psychiatrist out there as well as someone in the transgender community with the situation with Bruce Jenner. And the reason I say psychiatrist and someone from the transgender community, um, that was a, a very incredible interview that I saw with regards to Bruce. And I, I want to talk to both aspects of it. The one aspect in dealing with that as a person and, you know, because there is so much, you know, suicide that comes out of it, depression that comes out of it. And what's the best way to, to deal with, you know, if you're, if you're a person going through that and as well as, you know, the, the person that does go through it. Um, so I want to get into different, um, areas with, with that topic. And listen, I'm, I'm trying to bring, um, people that, that can say things and not just have me rant and, and, and try to give my opinion. So everyone, Thank you for listening in to another Vince August podcast. Um, please spread the word, share, and let's get the word out there. Thank you very much for listening, everybody.